brothers and sisters in Christ, please turn with me in God's Word to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19, we'll be studying the first ten verses of this chapter as we continue in our studies here through the book of Revelation. And while you're turning to chapter 19... I wonder what would you say are some of your favorite songs that we sing in worship? Of course, our brother Mike has been so faithful through the years. We're grateful for the many wonderful songs that uh, we sing here together as a church family. And I admit that it's hard for me to even narrow down the songs and hymns that we sing to a short list myself, since there are so many that I have come to cherish over the years. But as I reflect on the hymns that we sing together, I'm often amazed by both the rich theology and the deep doctrine that is found in our hymns. So that when they are set to music and then lifted up to the Lord in praise, they have a unique way to stir our hearts and move our souls. Well, this morning, we're brought to a heavenly worship service, as chapter 19 begins, where songs of praise are sung to God, and it is then through these words of praise that we receive precious and profound truths to both inspire and excite us as we follow Christ in the sinful world. So let us read together then here from Revelation 19, verses 1 to 10. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servant shed by her. Again, they said, Alleluia! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen! Alleluia! Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia! For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Brothers and sisters, let us once more return to God's throne in prayer before we continue. 
Oh, Father, what a glorious worship service in heaven is revealed to us here this morning through your word. We pray that you will be with us then, Father, as we seek to understand what you want to share with us this morning, what you want to speak to us this morning through this heavenly worship service as those who ourselves are seeking to worship you in your presence this day. So Father, through this passage, we, we ask that you will be at work as your, so your spirit is poured out this morning. Oh, we pray that he will be at work in each and every one of our hearts so that our minds will be renewed, our very souls will be revived by the glories of Christ that are promised here through your word. And so we pray that you will be with us this morning and that you will be with me as your humble servant, Father, will empower these words by your grace for your glory for the good of those who are gathered. May souls be saved and may saints be sanctified through the powerful ministry of your word preached. We pray all these things then in the name of our sweet Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So then what does this heavenly worship service reveal to us, brothers and sisters? that as we live in this sinful world, let us praise God for our coming salvation. As we live in this sinful world, let us praise God for our coming salvation. And in these verses, there are three aspects of our coming salvation that are revealed to us. First, in verses 1 to 5, we read of our vindication through judgment. Our vindication through judgment. But then second, in verses 6 to 8, we read of our marriage to Christ. Our marriage to Christ. And then finally, in verses 9 and 10, we read of our invitation for blessing. Our invitation for blessing. So our vindication through judgment, our marriage to Christ, and our invitation for blessing, all aspects of our coming salvation. Let's begin then by considering these first five verses with our vindication through judgment. Of course, the Apostle John has been recording these symbolic visions of prophecy from God to encourage Christ's churches as we struggle and suffer in this present evil age. And while we are all sinners deserving God's judgment for our rebellion against him, Christ has saved us by taking our place and coming under God's wrath for us through his death on the cross. We are saved from the judgment of God, yet we are still living in a sin-cursed and corrupt world that hates God and that is hostile to Christ's church, which is why we still face persecution and tribulation in this age. John goes on to show us that the time is coming when 
Satan releases two beasts, the Antichrist and the false prophet, then they intensify their war then against us by uniting together governmental and economic and religious powers in this world so that, to overcome Christ's church. And so it's during this time that the Antichrist will rule over the people of the earth who follow him and worship him. And he rules from the capital city that symbolically here is called Babylon. Babylon, we find, is a city that represents humanity's stubborn refusal to submit to God in sin, as well as their final effort to oppose and oppress Christ's church through their power. And this city is pictured then in Revelation as a harlot who seduces this world to join with her in her immorality and her idolatry. As she tempts Christians to forsake our faith in Christ and join with them in their prostitution as well. So John is writing so that, that Christians will persevere in our faith since Babylon will fall under the judgment of God for all of her sinfulness and her wickedness and her evil. And Christ's church finally received justice for all the wrongs that we have suffered, for all of the pain of persecution, for all of the death that comes of our faithfulness to Christ. You see that while the Antichrist seeks to overcome us, Revelation shows that we will overcome him in our satanic oppression as we love Christ more than life itself. As we are willing to suffer persecution and even die as a martyr through this love while we wait for our glorious future then with Christ in the world to come, this is our great hope. And it's why, in the midst of Babylon's fall in chapter 18, that we hear there in verse 20, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. And now that, the, that this call has gone out, and Babylon has fallen under God's judgment, we see this verse coming true as we turn to chapter 19. And worship now breaks out in heaven, where a great multitude of saints glorify God for saving Christ's church through judging our enemies. And can you hear how great and joyous their celebration is. John hears a loud voice of a great multitude. Now, I don't know about the different places where you've been able to sing songs of praise and worship over the years, but one that will always be memorable to me is when I was at a large conference in Louisville several years ago. There were over 15,000 men and women gathered together to worship God and to hear his word taught and preached. And it was simply overwhelming. 
to sing and join together with so many who were robustly singing from their hearts praise to God during that conference. But brothers and sisters, however great of an experience we have found singing God's praises in this world among God's people, listen, what John heard here is even greater. because there's so many saints in heaven here that he doesn't even try to number them. And it's the same great multitude which no one could number of saved believers in Christ that we read of back in chapter 7. So what is this great multitude singing here? But hallelujah. In other words, we have another hallelujah chorus that erupts in heaven when they're praising God for the coming of his salvation and victory at the end of the age. And this is the same language that John heard from them back in chapter 7, verses 10 to 12, when they praise God for what he has done and for who he is. That salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. And then they proclaim why he is worthy of their worship. Because his judgments are true and righteous. He has kept his word. He has judged sinful humanity according to his law, punishing them in proportion to their disobedience against him in sin. In other words, as one commentator summarizes, God's judgment is both morally pure and legally just. Which is why mankind will receive what they deserve. And this is demonstrated through God's judgment against the great harlot Babylon who corrupted the world through her fornication. See, the world cheated on God by indulging in her pleasures. And they've given themselves over to her seduction as they seek the joy and gratification which this wicked woman of the world offers them while they war against God's people. And so God pours out his wrath against them, avenging the blood of the martyrs that they have shed of his servants, who have been killed for their faith in Jesus Christ and have been crying out to God for vengeance, to judge and avenge their blood, as we saw back when the fifth seal was opened. So this is why God's plague judgments are released upon the earth as the end of the age approaches. As an answer to our prayers. And when God answers our prayers, what do we find here? We rejoice. We rejoice. So the great multitude then continues in their praise with a second hallelujah rejoicing in the just punishment of the city of Babylon, whose smoke rises up forever and ever, showing that her destruction is permanent and that it will never end through the fires of hell. See, since she has sinned in rebelling against God and his infinite glory by seeking his glory for themselves, 
so she will justify or she will justly suffer, excuse me, an infinite loss under the wrath of God and his flames of torment. This is true justice. This is righteous judgment. And so we then next see the angels joining in this celebration of God's justice with the 24 elders and the four living creatures praising God. Th throughout Revelation, these angels are those standing around God's throne as his heavenly worship leaders. And you may remember that the 24 elders represent the elect of God's special creation, while the four living creatures represent God's general creation. But here they unite together with the saints in heaven of the great multitude as they fall down and worship God who sits on his throne saying, Amen! May it be so! Hallelujah! So can you see what's happening in heaven here? That human and angelic voices are coming together in harmony to sing God's praise for his triumph over the powers of the sinful world that have come against us. And then, John hears a voice that comes from the very throne of God itself, who is likely Christ speaking and calling for his servants and those who fear him on the earth to join in this heavenly praise to our God. And in this call, we see that believers in Christ are those who belong to God and serve him in this world as we fear him above all earthly powers, which is why we persevere in our faith and we participate in this heavenly worship, exalting the greatness and goodness of our God in reverence and awe. And this includes all, both small and great, because whatever our status in the world whether poor and forgotten or rich and powerful, we are all alike equal before God through Christ and will praise him together. So brothers and sisters, as we live in this sinful world and we see injustice in this world, When we live in this world and the wicked prosper while Christians are punished. When we live in this sinful world and we struggle and suffer under the pain of persecution. Oh, may we respond by praising God for the coming of his vindication through judgment. May our confidence in Christ increase as we worship him for our salvation, knowing that he will bring true and lasting judgment and justice to this world at the end of the age. That is why the heavens are praising God for our vindication through judgment. But then, in verses 6 to 8, we come to another aspect of our coming salvation, which is our marriage to Christ. 
because John once again hears another hallelujah chorus breaking out in heaven from a great multitude. And this time he describes what he hears as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunderings. And in this worship song, listen, their, their voice sounds like Christ himself. Who in the opening vision of chapter 1, verse 15, John heard his voice as the sound of many waters. Now Christ's voice becomes the voice of his people. We're in chapter 14, verse 2. John heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. You see then how these loud noises are brought together to emphasize the joyous celebration of our the, the, the joyous celebration of our salvation in Christ. His church sings with his voice which then makes a mighty sound as his saints rejoice in our Savior. And they cry out, Hallelujah! Why? Because God has established his reign over his kingdom, which is coming to this world. Now that God's human and demonic enemies have been removed through his judgments, his kingdom has finally come onto the earth. And so they sing his praise as the Lord God omnipotent, because he is our all-powerful and sovereign king. And in their call to worship, what do they call on one another to do? But be glad and rejoice. This follows the words of Jesus, who when he said to his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you see how Jesus says you respond to this persecution? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. So what do these saints cry out? Be glad and rejoice. Because their reward in heaven has finally come at the end of the age. And in their worship, they give God glory out of gratitude for their salvation in Christ and their eternal future with him. So they are praising God because of the coming of his kingdom. When the marriage of the Lamb will take place. And as we've seen throughout the book of Revelation, Christ is the Lamb who offered himself as a sacrifice on the cross for his church, which is here now pictured as his bride. And John then sees the wedding day that will finally take place so that we will enjoy our marriage with Christ in the world to come. But what a contrast this is then with the world. The world offers a harlot 
while Christ saves us to be his bride. And while the harlot brings temporary pleasures, which will end under God's judgment, the bride of Christ will receive everlasting joy, which will never end under God's blessing. Do you see then that our wedding day is coming? That when Christ redeemed us through his blood, that we were engaged to him in an unbreakable covenant, that will be complete when he returns for our wedding day. And so we live as his promised wife to be, looking forward to the perfect marriage that will last forever. So we make ourselves ready for our marriage through this age by faithfully living according to God's word while we suffer in tribulation and persecution in this world. And this is how the Apostle Paul describes our relationship with Christ, which then becomes a pattern for our own marriages in this age. You may remember the, the words that Paul writes to husbands in Ephesians 5, but let's listen again. Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 27. Paul says to husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. And what we see here is that we will be presented to Christ as his glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but we will be holy and without blemish as his wife who has made herself ready. And John sees this when Christ's wife is given our wedding gown that is made with fine linen which is clean and bright because there will be no more impurity among us as those are victorious over the world. See, the harlot may have been wearing the most beautiful and expensive clothes and jewelry that the world had to offer, but this bride's wedding gown is far greater and more beautiful. After all, what does John say this fine linen symbolizes? But the righteous acts of the saints. So we will carry out good works of faithfulness in this age, which prepares us for the age to come. Now this troubles some people, because it can sound like our final salvation to come will depend on our good works and our righteous acts that we must achieve a certain level of righteousness through our good works before we can be saved by God at the end of the age. But listen, this is to misunderstand John's vision. Don't miss how verse 8 begins. To the Lamb's wife, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. And who granted us and gave us these robes of righteousness? But God himself. 
He is the one who is at work in us through the Holy Spirit to make us righteous as we struggle and suffer in this world. You see then how our good works will be the fruit of our justification in Christ, which we will then strive to complete in our lives of sanctification before our glorification comes in Christ. But John shows us our glorification is certain because all of our salvation is a gift from God. Our justification, our sanctification, and our glorification are all granted to us by Christ's grace. Yet, we must also remember that our salvation is in this order. That our own righteous acts will come before we are wed to Christ at the end of the age. Which is why we must persevere until that day finally comes. It's in faithfulness and seeking to do the will of the Lord is given to us in his word. The question remains then, how? How will we do these righteous acts? And the answer that we find here in Revelation is by remembering our bridegroom and the wedding day that awaits us. Listen to how Jim Hamilton describes this in these wonderful words. He says, this not only inspires us to do righteousness, but it takes all the energy out of evil. Greed turns into generosity because the bridegroom has met our deepest need and will supply all of our wants from his glorious riches. Lust gives way to contented joy in what we have because the bridegroom offers pleasures far more full and free than anything the whore has to offer. Sloth and laziness are turned to zeal for the kingdom because the bridegroom, King Jesus, summons us our best and most diligent efforts. Anger and vindictiveness become patient longing for the bridegroom to enact judgment that is true and just. Envy is replaced by satisfied happiness at the joy of others because we know that the bridegroom will give us what we need now and will, we will not lack anything when he comes. Gluttony is turned to discipline moderation because the bridegroom satisfies our cravings. Pride vanishes, and we boast only in the cross because the bridegroom deserves all the glory. Do you see, then, the great motivation that we have as we live with this coming day of judgment in view? In this coming day, of salvation through judgment where we will be wed to Christ. So in the first aspect of our coming salvation is our vindication through judgment and this is then followed in this heavenly worship service with the songs of praise over our marriage to Christ. But then finally, in verses 9 to 10, we come to the final aspect of our coming salvation that's reported for us here, and that is our invitation for blessing. Our invitation for a blessing. Because it's here that John hears an angel asking him to write a wedding invitation to us. 
because we are invited to receive the blessing of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And what a feast of celebration this supper will be. That after our vows are exchanged and uh, in, 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 in weddings, what happens? Well, families often look forward to the reception. Where afterwards, they often enjoy a delicious meal that they eat out of gratefulness to this new union that they have just witnessed of two souls becoming one. But this meal, this marriage supper will be a far superior feast because we will be united to Christ as his wife. What a banquet, then, we will also enjoy once our union in marriage is complete. So this great feast that was promised by God to his chosen people all through the Old Testament and then was again promised by Christ through his gospel ministry on the earth will come. And until then, we continue waiting for his messianic banquet which we will enjoy at the end of this age. Which is why then, as we live in the sinful world, this angel comes and confirms our glorious blessing of the marriage supper of the Lamb by testifying that it will come because these words have come from God himself. And so they are trustworthy and true. However long it will be until this marriage supper of the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, it is coming. It will come. We can trust in God's promises and His Word. And so it's at this point then that John becomes so overwhelmed with what he has seen and what he has heard through this heavenly worship service, he himself falls down at the feet of this angel to worship him. Now, I admit that his bowing down to worship an angel frankly seems strange to me at first. But I also haven't encountered an angel like this. I haven't seen such glorious and beautiful truths through a vision from God like this. And throughout the scriptures, we regularly see people overwhelmed when they encounter an angel or when they come into the presence of God himself, which is probably what John thought was happening here before his very eyes. And so it was natural for him to bow down. Which is why the angel then corrects John, saying, don't do that. This is only an angel. However awesome or powerful he may appear. See, the angels of heaven are our fellow servants of God. And back in verse 5, believers in Christ are called his servants. And now we see that the angels of heaven are equally God's servants. Since God is supreme over all of his creation. So they Join together then with their brethren 
who have the testimony of Jesus to worship him. You see then why God and God alone is to be worshipped. This is why we only worship our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And why? When we worship Jesus, this is not profane worship, but genuine worship because Jesus is God in the flesh. So we only worship our triune God and not angels, not Mary, Jesus' mother, not any saints from the church, and not anything else in all of God's creation. But we worship God alone. For, we read at the end of verse 10, the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Now this statement is admittedly difficult to understand, but it seems to me that we worship God because our testimony of Jesus has come through this spirit of prophecy. In other words, we believe in Christ and live for Christ because he has been revealed to us through the ministry of the prophets and apostles. And his salvation then is applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It is then through our salvation in Christ, we are invited to receive the coming blessing of the marriage supper of the Lamb. So what has this heavenly worship service revealed to us this morning? That as we live in this sinful world, let us praise God for our coming salvation. We're to live lives of worship to God. Praising Him for the salvation that is to come. And we are shown that our coming salvation includes our vindication through judgment, our marriage to Christ, and our blessing, and our, our, our invitation for blessing. So I ask each one of you, are you looking forward to the coming salvation of Christ? Oh, do not settle for the seductions of this world, which will come to an end under the judgment of God. In the very flames of hell. Oh, believe in Christ confessing your sins and coming to Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Looking to Him and to Him alone for your salvation. Believe in Christ and be saved so you too will look forward to this coming salvation. And worship God in praise for the salvation that will come in Christ. But as Christians, I know that we too can lose sight of our coming salvation 
which is why God here has revealed these three aspects of our coming salvation in Christ as a reminder of what we have to look forward to when he returns. So if you have been straying from God's path of righteousness in this world, this worship service is a reminder to repent and to renew your faith by rejoicing in Christ for his coming salvation. We live by faith in the hope of what is to come. And until this day comes, this is why God has called his church to gather together in worship, where we sing songs of praise to him, and we glorify God for our coming salvation. May we then be those eager to gather together on the day God has given us to enter into his presence and worship him. Because when we come together as a church in worship, we are brought up to the heavens and join in this worship service. So let us renew our commitment to this worship and join in this heavenly worship service so that we will be inspired and excited through our salvation in Christ to remain faithful to God and endure to the end when we will be vindicated through judgment. We will be married to Christ and we will invited to the blessing of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let us pray. Oh, Father, what glorious promises we have to look forward to. Is it any wonder your heavens erupted in praise? As this is revealed through John for your church. May we then, as we live in this sinful world, praise God, praise you for our coming salvation. Because of all that we have to look forward to when our Savior returns. Let us live with our future eternal joy to come each and every day that you give us. We pray then for the strength of the Spirit to live out these acts of righteousness until then. And ask only in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.